0: you lovely traumatized humans it is december 8th 2021 we are quickly creeping into 2022 um so i do what i do every year is i write a blog about the uh books that i read that year and um so i'm going to talk about 13 of them i didn't just read these 13 but these are the 13 i decided to recommend to you and or give you my two cents about not that anyone asked you know but here i am (laughs) (laughs) Um, number one, if you tell a true story of murder, family secrets, and the unbreakable bond of sisterhood. Um, It was written by a man named Greg Olson. And I don't know, this year I was finding myself really interested in true stories like memoirs and true crime and blah, 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 blah um nonfiction in general. But um I guess I was interested in this because Audible, number one, recommended it to me. And number two, it was like true true crime. I was like, oh, this could be juicy. Um it's about this mom. Her name is Shelly and she's super narcissistic and like deranged. And I don't know how she got away with abusing people for so long. But she had three daughters with three different men, Nikki, Sammy, Tori, and um she lets two people live in her home and she abuses her daughter. She abuses these two friends that she lives uh, that she lets live with them. And they do like I mean, she does like horrible, like horrific stuff. I'm not going to tell you any details because I don't want to ruin it. But um, I don't know. For some reason, this book didn't like live up to my expectations, maybe because I'm just a little numb to like tragedy or like horrific things, or maybe because um, I listened to it instead of read it. I'm not sure. But um, it is a Wall Street Journal, Amazon and US Today and Washington Post bestseller. So... Um, you know, don't take my word for it. Number two, I read a book called Roar, How to Match Your Food and Fitness to Your Unique Female Physiology and for Optimum Performance, Great Health, and a Strong, Lean Body for Life. That's a very long title. I think they could have done better. But, um, I picked this book at the recommendation of Hillary with the Trail, Woman, Trail Running Women podcast. Check it out. I was on it a while back. Um, but as a lifelong athlete, I was always trained by men. Like, all my coaches were men. Um, they, like, just made the women's workouts slightly shorter than the men's. Like, they didn't really, like... Do anything different with our workouts or give us any different sort of nutrition in, information or anything. So the book's tagline is women are not small men. Stop eating and training like one. We have different physiologies. Like our hormones are different. We have a cycle every month. There's all these different things. Our like body composition is different. There's all these different things that women need to take into consideration. And what after I started, um, after I read this book and I started sort of implementing some of her recommendations, I was like, wow, I feel so much better. And now I get to train me and I don't have to listen to any old man. So anyway. Roar. Look it up. It's awesome. It's by um, Stacy Sims. Okay, number three, I read The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. I rescued this book from the dumpster. I wouldn't have probably bought it. But um, yeah, someone was throwing it away. And I was like, well, don't throw the book away. Um, and anyway, it's kind of like a murder mystery story. Um, it vacillates between the years eighteen or 1982 and 2017. A woman named Viv Delaney went to work at The Sundown Motel and she mysteriously disappeared. Um, and then like, years later, her niece, Carly, returns to the same place to work and, like, try to figure out the mystery of her aunt's disappearance. It's a whole thing. And it, it was pretty good. Um, it wasn't, like, unbelievable. <laughs> like, a lot of, like, horror mystery books are, like, oh, this is so, like, out there, you know? But anyway, it was a good, like, beachy read. Number four. A Promised Land by Barack Obama. Um, I almost forgot I read this because I read it in, the, like, last January or February. <laughs> but... um, so it kind of like it's an account of his like it goes from like childhood to, er, education to like his early career and then the first term of his presidency. It's very thoughtful. It's very long, <laughs> but it's very thoughtfully written. He's a very good writer. It's very beautiful. Um, and he, he's very honest as well. He, he goes into a lot of detail about, you know, his mistakes and and the challenges and the things that he maybe did right and how he had to pick his cabinet and, you know, the Affordable Care Act. Um, Vladimir Putin, like the financial crisis, like all of these things that he had to grapple with as a president. And he kind of He's very honest. So it's, it's a very different sort of presidential memoir than ones I've read in the past. Number five, Empire of Illusion, The End of Literacy, and the Triumph of Spectacle by Chris Hedges. Um... <laughs> So, this came to me through the recommendation of a good friend, and it definitely rocked my world. Like, I was just like, this book is amazing. Like, why haven't I ever read this? It's a criticism on the effects of mass media and popular culture on American society, politics, and economics. Since its publication in 2009, um, the book has been marketed as a work which predicted the forces that sort of gave rise to the election of Donald Trump. Um, The book is made of five chapters. Each titled after a specific illusion that um, had just sort of identified as prevalent in our society. The first, the illusion of literacy, the illusion of love, the illusion of wisdom, the illusion of happiness, and the illusion of America. Um, the one that really stuck out to me was The Illusion of Love because he goes deep, deep, deep into like the porn industry and how dark it is. And after reading that, I was like, I'm never going to watch porn again. Like I was like, this is so disturbing on so many levels. But anyway, amazing book. Go read it. Number six. Wow. No, thank you. By Samantha Irby. Samantha Irby is one of my favorite authors. She, she just writes about her life. She writes like essays sort of in like a la David Sedaris, but like in her own voice, um, and it's just super funny. Like it's a good, fun read. Um, like my, one of my favorite essays was about how she, uh, moved from like Chicago to Michigan and she's in a small town in Michigan and just like (laughs) adapting to that. She's gay and like, you know, like finding new friends. And anyway, she described, and then, um, another part was she went to LA for meetings with TV executives and she calls them like amateur astrologists. And then she's like, I'm just like a she's fry eating slightly damp Midwest person. Like she doesn't, she's just like funny, you know, um, she's written more books. I don't know. This was just the one I read this year. Cause it was new. Number seven, Bravey, Chasing Dreams, Befriending Pain, and Other Big Ideas by Alexi Pappas. I know about Alex- Alexi because um, she's an Olympian runner, but her story, like all of ours, is so much bigger. Bravey recounts her life from her childhood and losing her mother to suicide through the awkwardness of adolescence and then competing in college and her journey to the 2016 Olympics, which happened to be the same year that she wrote, directed, and starred in her first feature film. So she's like an artist and a runner and she kind of like meshes those two worlds in a really interesting way that I don't think a lot of athletes are able to do. But Bravia is a very honest, raw story of triumph. Like you don't have to be a runner or a filmmaker or whatever to like understand and appreciate Papa's or this book. Number eight was Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I wanted to love Green Lights because everyone loves Green Lights tonight, but I honestly really did not love Green Lights. It was or is, um, you know, a number one New York, New York Times best selling book, blah blah blah, and it's just about like you know his life, the lessons he learned, and the funny things that taught him, you know, the funny ways he learned to be like his own person. Um, he calls it a love letter to life, a guide to catching more green lights and to realizing that the yellows and reds eventually turn green too. I heard about the book on a podcast. I saw the book in airports and eventually gave into to the hype. But, you know, it was an easy read. Um, But I didn't come away feeling like I learned that much. I just, like, know more about his life, which, like, who cares, you know? <laughs> anyway, mostly I felt like he had to write that for himself. Like, it felt very much like I, uh, that he needed to, I don't know, articulate these ideas And everyone's just out here reading it. doesn't mean it's good. (laughs) Number nine, um, Naked by David Sedaris. I just mentioned him. Anyway, um, he is a very weird, funny author. His books always make me laugh, but Naked was especially poignant. He writes about his family, how his father was, like, obsessed over golf, and his mom mimicked his nervous tics and charmed his teachers with drinks. (laughs) Like, he paints this picture of a very loving but dysfunctional family, um, he definitely had like OCD um, and he writes about hitchhiking, um, going on a long trip with a quadriplegic <laughs> and um, any like all these odd jobs he took to make ends meet, his loneliness. Like he is just very interesting. His life is like rich with fodder um, and his style is super unique. Unlike any other, all of his books are worth reading. Naked is just the one that happened to be new. Number 10, Bury My Heart at Windene by D. Brown. I've been meaning to read Bury My Heart at Windene for years, but I kept putting it off and of like other easier breezier reads but this year i read it front to back feeling and it wasn't i mean it was like a good book like it it kept my interest it wasn't like hard to read so i don't know why i was putting it off but um i don't know it was sad kind of enraging um it's very eloquently written and she definitely uses like um stories and 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 words directly from tribe leaders and stuff to like make the case um not make the case, but just to kind of show how the systemic destruction of the American Indian um, during the second half of the 19th century. It's really enraging, like just how uh, the white people like lied to them and then killed them and like raped and pillaged their villages and misled them and then made them sign contracts which they couldn't even read and stuff like that. Bury My Heart at Knee was um, disturbing and incredibly important. I mean, I think it should be required reading for people in school, (laughs) I'm not in school anymore, but I feel like that'd be good. Number 11, Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Um, I was in college when the story of Brock Turner, the Stanford swimmer who assaulted an anonymous woman who the media called Emily Doe, um... When that story initially broke. So Chanel was anonymous for a long time. Turner was sentenced to just six months in a county jail after he was found sexually assaulting her on a Stanford campus, like by a dumpster. Her victim impact statement was eventually posted on BuzzFeed, where it instantly went viral. It was viewed by 11 million people and um, it was translated into a bunch of different languages. Thousands of rape survivors credit Chanel with giving them the courage to come forward and tell their own stories. Know My Name is heart wrenching, and, and, but also hopeful. Um, um, just about like the years that followed her assault, how it just totally upset her life. Um, and it kind of gives the reader an inside look into a culture that is biased to protect perpetrators and a criminal justice system that's designed to kind of fail the victim. Like just the injustice of it all was so heartbreaking. Um. Chanel's also a really amazing writer, and I think that her story will just transcend time. It's like the first book of its kind. So it's really, really good. I would definitely re- recommend that to everybody, maybe especially men, so they can you know, figure the fuck out how awful it is to be a woman sometimes number 12 everything now by rosecrans baldwin everything now is about los angeles how it is a cultural epicenter of america how it's a place romanticized and demoralized you know it's a kind of like a crazy wild place um baldwin's account of la is like deeply researched provocatively argued and also very empathetic Um, He talks about the crisis of homelessness to natural disasters, the struggle of the starving artist. Um, He goes to this like self-help retreat that's so very LA Um, and, you know, just brushing elbows with the hyper wealthy. Baldwin weaves a story of Los Angeles that is at once inspiring and delusory. He paints LA as like a city state, kind of like a Kind of like a nation unto itself um, with borders that are less like physical and more just like metaphoric, you know? Because like the boundaries of LA don't end at like the city limits. Like LA goes up to the valley, down to Orange County, out into the desert. Um, And he kind of acts as like a fly on the wall, giving read, like interviewing people, normal people, interviewing actresses, getting their stories and kind of weaving them all into the greater story of Los Angeles. Um, I don't know. It's a wild, And also very lonely city. So the last book I'm going to talk about is The Book of the World, a Contemporary Scripture. Um, It was edited by a lady named Phyllis Cole Dye, but um, there is no author. Like, the author is unknown. (laughs) A friend gifted me this book about a year ago, and I've read a few pages a day trying to make it last. The Book of the World is out of print, um, but you can buy it. You can find it, like, on Amazon, but it's $90 right now. Um, anyway, I think it's well worth the money if you can afford it. It's a book of quote, unquote, modern scripture without religious pretense. It's an amalgamation of quotes from history, popular culture, various religions, and even like fortune cookies. <laughs> the the writer of the book, like I said, is anonymous. Um, it's nearly 3000 verses long. It's quite thick for an anonymous writer, you know, and woven seamlessly from just quotations around the globe. Um, the first like print of it kind of appeared online and then it was like suppressed and taken down and hidden and very kind of like mysterious origins to this book. But I pulled a little quote that I liked and this is just one of literally hundreds that I could have pulled, but it says, love is misunderstood to be an emotion. Actually, it is a state of awareness, a way of being in the world, a way of seeing oneself and others. It is a choice, a willingness to be present to others without pretense or guile. It is above all else, the gift of oneself." Anyway, I read that every night before bed, like a little bit, (laughs) just a tiny little bit, like a couple pages. The the chapters are usually very small. So anyway, find a list of the most popular books. I linked to that. And then um, I used thrift books for the purchasing of my books. Or, you know, you just get a library card for books that you maybe don't want to keep. But sometimes I want to keep a book. So then I use thrift books because they're like a third of the price. They're also used. So you're kind of recycling. Anyway, check it out. I love it. Um, I usually get my books within a couple days as well, so you don't have to wait a long time. And anyway, if you have a book recommendation, let me fucking know. Bye.